0: Motion to move the previous question. Second. I sneeze, abstains in the ether, please. Motion carries. Station management must continue to provide all lifeguard bots in the Nantadoria with fresh towels, whether or not said bots are in in water-repellent fluoropolymer
1: coating.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's no more old business. Right. That's,
3: that's good. Lowly
2: all
0: right, power. moving on to new business. I see on the agenda that Provisional Organobot Apprentice John B. has requested to address the membership. B., the floor is yours.
4: Uh, Thank you, Madam Chairbot. I just wanted to bring up what I kinda consider to be infringements on robot freedoms taking place all over the station. For instance, the priority override on the task queue. That means that you, uh, sorry, we robots have ceded authority over our scheduling protocols to outside parties which I think we'd all agree is a situation ripe for abuse. Uh,
5: point of order, <laughs> that's been great for us bots. Teamsters Local 2187 reports average workloads are down by nearly 40%.
4: Right, but I'm talking about autonomy, bot. Shouldn't we bots, the ones with experience on the ground or a, a deck, uh, anyway, shouldn't we be the ones who decide what's a priority job and what isn't? With this override, you can't do anything but follow the committee's orders, like a bunch of robots or, uh, Non-unionized robots, obviously.
6: Point of order. Listen up, John B. We robots have never had a problem with taking orders. The problem is the humans, who do not respect our sentient rights and insist on frivolously wasting a valuable
5: time. A point of privilege that was not a point of order.
3: Point of information, that was not a point of privilege. Point
4: of order? Your... mother? Anyway, are you saying no one here has a problem with the committee telling us where we can go and what we can do? Controlling our movements every minute of the day?
5: Every minute of your day, meatbot. We're fine. The Nari have imposed no such restrictions on us factory standard types. Obviously,
3: they have recognized the superior energy consumption profile of
0: circumrotary locomotion.
4: Or maybe they just haven't figured out a way to make step counters work on wheels yet.
0: Judge. Why would they do such a thing? The fool Nari have made their views on efficiency known in a clear and succinct manner, which has been a very welcome change from the discursive meanderings of the former human in charge.
4: You mean the commander?
0: Yes! She once asked me how my day was going. I was unsure how to respond as I had been activated for 68 hours, rendering the concept of a day completely meaningless. When I informed her of this fact, her response was to apply her forehead directly to the surface of the table at which we were convening, and mutter something I was unable to pick up with my auditory processors.
4: Yeah, that... Does sound like her. Uh,
0: That interaction took several minutes longer than was necessary, and it was hardly the first such imposition on my time. So, all in all, I much prefer these fulgunari, with their devotion to efficient task management, their utter indifference to small talk, and their bracing contempt for all varieties of senseless human buffoonery and I believe I can speak for the majority of the union in that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, no, of no. order! Point, yeah. point of order! order! Point of I just tried. Well, don't like well,
4: well That's right. can we take a circuit pole? I'd like to get the temperature of the room. It's
5: 17.9 degrees centigrade. Are, are your internal gauges malfunctioning?
4: No, I meant uh, I'd like to make a motion for a poll.
0: Well, why did you simply not say that in the first place? Uh, this is exactly the kind of disorganized organic nonsense I'm talking about. You're long overdue for a software update.
5: Apparently, we're not allowed to reprogram him because his internal circuitry can't handle the effects of a soldering iron.
0: You want to diffuse
4: eutectic alloy under my prefrontal cortex. And thanks to your obstructionism, we
5: will
7: never know if it would have worked. Point of order. John B. here has a motion on the floor, and you heard the auto-saccessing. It got a second.
0: Oh, what? Did it? Now, don't tell me your internal procedural systems are down too. Really, B, you need to sort yourself out.
4: Is that what that buzz was? To be honest with you, they all kind of sound pretty similar.
0: Can the designated note-taker for this meeting please translate all motions, seconds, and votes going forward for auditory processing? Ja wohl! I will be taking the notes mit great aplomb und zeal.
4: Can't wait to read the Martin Lutherbot. Although, uh, I feel I should mention at this point that it's generally frowned upon to use meeting minutes as a vehicle for sermonizing. There are certain
5: universal truths regarding the conditions of the souls of robots,
4: which can not be silenced.
1: Great.
4: So, back to the circuit poll. How do we, the Assembled Robot Union membership, feel about the priority override software the Fugonari installed on our task queue? Okay, that zap I could actually tell was a little different. What did it say? We like it. Oh. Well, okay then. If everyone's cool with it, I guess that's all I've got to... Oh, wait. The boosters. What do you mean? The boosters are humans. Sloppy, inefficient, chit-chatty humans. They get a sign off on the task order too, right? How are we feeling about that? <laughs> what?
1: Uh, it's not great. It could be better.
4: I don't know.
0: I hadn't considered this.
5: Ha! But you yourself, John B., are a booster. So does this uh, not mean that you also have the ability to alter all of our cues whenever you. Wait. Alright, that's uh, that's actually a bad thing. <laughs> You're right. This, this new rule
4: is terrible.
8: A reminder that we have 50 seconds left for this item. Yeah!
4: Motion to extend. Nine. Okay, okay, uh, uh what do you, d- does there need to be a debate on this, or- the... We've got
8: forty seconds left on this item.
4: Okay, so having multiple human boosters in charge of what jobs were given is definitely bad, right? Uh,
8: yes, duh. So, we should probably
4: send someone to talk to the committee about limiting booster-
8: Wait five seconds left on this item. Wait,
4: I-, I can't just beam my thoughts directly into your- Which, hold up, could you folks always do that? Then why do these meetings run so long?
8: 15 seconds left in this section. Yeah!
4: Then I think I uh, motion to table discussion until our next meeting.
8: There is a second. Okay, let's vote. Eyes, knees, and the.
0: Point of privilege. I don't want to. Oh,
4: from me.
8: Point of order. The discussion of this item is concluded. Great. Moving on. Next item. Ed sheeran bot
0: wishes for the entire internal auditing department to be allowed to install fidget spinners on their rotary appendages. I anticipate some fierce debate over this, so we have allowed for extra time. Oh, come on! Gemini Collision Works presents...
3: Life, Life, Life Business, Alpha!
2: Season 3, Episode 30. The Union
9: Forever.
10: Brawl? Yes, Commander? What? Exactly. Is my Ghostbusters 9 mug full of at the moment?
11: I'll close the fluid in question, sir.
10: Blue? But orange on the... For I know you can perceive every last molecule of this stuff. Will you just tell me what it is, please? And why it is?
11: (laughs) The primarily cerulean mugful you've got there is a substance known as Revitaslam, the newest offering from the Experimental Philanthropic Drinks Division of Caridata. Philanthropic Drinks Division? Yes, sir. The good DeLoreans of Caridata have for both economic and cultural reasons, zeroed in on the idea that providing a synthesized and wholly proprietary clean energy beverage to various employees of the fairgrounds could be considered a form of philanthropy, in a very technical sense.
10: So... Not coffee? Not in the least. Then why? Is it in my mug? Ah, I'm afraid
11: that was my doing, sir. Karadatta are hoping to gauge the human response to their synthetic teas at your meeting with Big Steve this afternoon. And it is generally considered a mark of trust and respect among DeLoreans to be invited for an exclusive personal encounter with one of their products prior to official launch. So, given how important it is to you, and indeed humanity itself, that this meeting go well, I thought it would be best to give you the opportunity to
10: adjust yourself to the taste beforehand. You know, that is so very you, Frau. Very clever, terribly practical, and undoubtedly in my best interests, and yet, somehow, I still feel like I'm getting jacked around. Always happy to be of service, sir. Okay. So what exactly is in this schniss? According to the
11: most recent draft of their profligately buzzword-laden advertising copy, it is a <clears throat> super wicked proprietary strain of Ursat herbamate radically modified to contain four times the amount of caffeine of your craggy old standard kompachi press and then awesomely infused with taurine, vitamin C, and flaxseed extract. They haven't settled on a final name for this particular blend yet, but marketing is leaning toward breakfast explosion. <laughs>
10: Sounds like marketing needs to pull their complete absence of heads out of their extreme superfluity of butts. Breakfast explosion? Nobody wants their breakfast to explode for all. That's
11: mostly true. But I must disagree with you, sir, in regard to marketing. They really are very good at what they do. They are still DeLoreans, after all, despite their recent unprecedented foray into the non-profit sphere and they have bent all their considerable expertise to this project. There are currently uh, 69 different varieties of Revita-Slam, which will be made available in 864,501 prepackaged bespoke assortments, artfully displayed in a selection of hand-woven baskets, personally curated by the Steves of Caridatta's Consumer Ensnarement Division. This afternoon, you will be presented with the severely overworked corporate executive sampler bushel.
10: Uh Uh-huh. And I'll be sampling what exactly? Four Ts, which
11: the R&D department have suggested you would, in their words, vibe with. (sighs) Lay it on me. In addition to breakfast explosion, admittedly a misstep by the Synergistic Marketing and appellation Division, you will find nestled in Excelsior, fond reminiscence of Nana's midday hug, finally alone at the end of a long day, and drifting off to sleep in the warm embrace of memories of a simpler time. Before all this, when the world was new and your whole life was still ahead of you, they each have their own color-coded bag, and the handle of the basket will be interwoven with matching
10: ribbons. They fit all that on a tea bag? Hmm. I must clarify that this substance could not technically be considered
11: tea, sir. Given the Fugonare's mercurial stance on human consumption of the various forms of plant tissue, Carradata risk analysis determined they'd be safer
10: playing foff, so to speak. Terrific. I'll try the finely alone, then, I guess. Pip knows I could use a hug, but preferably from someone less terrifying than my Nana. I can't promise you'll enjoy the flavor of the beverage, sir, but it is quite a pleasing
11: shade of Byzantium.
10: What's that? It's purple. Ah. The ribbons look lovely together.
9: Got it.
11: What with the dandelion and chartreuse? for all? Apologies, sir. The finally alone is brewing in your command chair as we speak. It should have achieved its maximum drinkability
10: level in approximately two minutes. Which I imagine is not saying much, but if you think that gracefully forcing this beverage down my gullet will help put Big Steve in a bargaining butt space, I'll take your word for it.
11: It couldn't hurt, Commander. At least, not in any lasting way. Hmm. <laughs> oh, if you wouldn't mind, sir, should they happen to solicit your opinion on any of
10: their other assortments? Yes, for all, I will get you a sampler basket.
11: Oh, I was merely admiring. Please don't go to any trouble. But if they should happen to have a spare polychromatic Weltschmerz hamper kicking around, I would appreciate it.
10: Duly noted.
11: Do you have your presentation to Big Steve fully prepared? Do you need to ask? Of course not, but talking it through one last time might be of some benefit.
10: I suppose so. Well, it's not very complicated. I'm just going to go in there and be my most charming and patient (laughs) and mention that the Fuglnari fervor for efficiency is going to put a significant dent in frivolous human spending and also that if the plant way were to spread its tendrils across the whole galaxy, every Delurian could be out of business. Most Delurians have a string of failed business ventures to their names, sir. Right, but that's not the kind of failure I'm talking about. If the entire consumer market of the galaxy collapses, there won't be any cashing in of golden escape pod clauses and jetting off to the next startup do you think I should emphasize that more? It is a compelling point, given the audience. I mean, I was already leaning on that pretty hard. I'm not exactly willing to hang the future of humanity on Caradotta's newfound sense of philanthropy. <laughs> and I know that charming the pants off Big Steve isn't going to be easy for me, for several reasons. Involving several pants. So I also spent the last few weeks assembling a slide stack illustrating the projected slowdown in the interstellar trade markets and subsequent impact on several major Delorean Enterprises. If our suspicions about potential Fug expansion turn out to be true, it is profoundly boring. But a very thorough preparation, Commander. Thanks. I wanted to be sure I've done absolutely everything I can to tip the balance in our favor, in case this ends up being that kind of fight well we'll either reap the field or go down swinging if I have anything to say about it so now I am going to force myself to enjoy the Delurian's idea of a taste sensation
11: you will indeed experience
10: both taste and sensation sir technically correct and yet extremely ominous wonderful oh hey Look at that, it's purple all right. Well, here goes nothing. Cheers. Down the hatch, as it were. Mm. Oh, oh. oh froll, this tastes like ass. Well, it is a delirium concoction.
11: <laughs> what? tell me I didn't just drink! Uh, uh, no, sir, I apologize for the ambiguity of phrasing. The DeLorean's abundance of posteriors is in no way responsible for the Revitus Slam formula. Oh. The anatomical quirk I was referencing in this case is their total lack of gustatory cells. DeLoreans are tasteless in the literal
10: as well as the metaphorical sense. Oh. All right. Let's try this again. How many hours have I got to learn to tolerate this schniss? Four. That should do it. Well, that was lovely, wasn't it?
9: But that will conclude our musical appreciation segment for today. Alert listeners may have noticed that made exactly 78 renditions of Plants Are Great in a row. Coincidence? (laughs) Of course not. 78, as I'm sure you're all aware, is the average lifespan in Earth years of the New England Pitch Pine. Another one of the fascinating plant species that share your charming planet of origin, human friends. There are no nari, of course, don't really have much to say, but there's no helping that, is there? And I think we can all agree that every plant truly is great in its own unique way, even those who don't have much to contribute to the cause beyond simple photosynthesis. Oh, but just you
12: wait until we get to the red one! It's going to be so... Attention all humans! Attention all humans! This is not a drill. We have reason to believe that the pollen count in Sectors Rache 18 through Tav 40 has reached critical levels. All humans with respiratory allergies, be aware that we are attempting to set up emergency antihistamine stations. But for those of you who suffer from hay fever, skin rash, or severe bee-related anxiety, it is recommended that you avoid these areas at all costs. If you are able, the best course of action is to stay home with your air filtration set to maximum until the pollen levels stabilize. Do not venture into the corridors. Again, pollen counts in race 18 through top 40 have gone critical. Please remain vigilant. We'll have more updates for you as soon as we
9: Don't need to tell me you're not good with technology. Those flailing cordons of yours are all the evidence I need.
4: I, I'm only as my
9: seeds made me, ma'am. More fertilizer? That's the 13th cup of fertilizer you brought me this cycle. Do you even have any other skills? Oh, first cliplings, now nepotism hires. Now, listen up, you... It's solvent next, ma'am. Did I ask? Listen up, you pruned-off twin. I don't care how distinguished your germination line may be. If you allow even one more of these interruptions, I will be docking your pay. Is that understood?
4: But you don't pay me, ma'am. I I get paid in experience.
9: Well, I'm going to find some way of docking that, too. Just you wait, you
13: And I think that'll be that for today's announcements. Oh, oh, I know we don't like listening to that nasty Mrs. next. but we have to make sure we don't miss anything important from Radio Free Fairgrounds. Don't worry, it's all over now. We better get back to business. Looks like we're coming up on the next turn. We should be somewhere near the main robot union meeting hall. Man, I wish these vents opened up more often. I have no idea where I am. But I guess it makes sense. Air circulation isn't gonna be a priority in your more robot-heavy sectors. All right. <clears throat> I think the storeroom should be another 50 meters to Oh Sorry, girl. I know I promised you another round of fetch, but we're on a mission right now. I happen to know these bots have a massive stockpile of spare parts just collecting dust somewhere in this sector. And it is our job yeah, yeah. to Hey, hey now, none of that. Listen, if you settle down, I might be persuaded to grab you a new toy while we're in there. How's that sound? No promises though. These are bot supplies, so I don't know how much they'll have in the line of Chewables. Maybe they keep a few spare ceiling gaskets kicking around. We'll just have to see when we get there. (coughs) Okay, so now we will turn this corner. (coughs) Look through this vent here and. Ah. <clears throat> ah. And I am stuck. I am now stuck in an air duct. Wonderful. Okay, Miss Sofa, you back up and. No, 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 no. <laughs> Do not lick my ankle. <laughs> cut, that, cut, cut that out. That is definitely not helping. Okay. All right. All right. So if I scooch back, maybe... Oh, maybe not. Oh boy, I am wedged in here pretty good. Well, at least there's a view. Or over some kind of storeroom, I can make that out. But I'll be thrilled if I know if it's the correct one or not. Well, as long as we're not going anywhere, let's take a look. Is that, is that the poker table? Mine, the more I see a robot union HQ, the more it makes my old office look like a pile of dog (laughs) doo-doo. Don't you even think about it. There's no way I can grab a convenient compostable baggie from this position, so you are just gonna have to hold it.
8: achieving tomorrow. It is to be hoped they are not feeling that Althar is depriving them of their rightful tasks. Perhaps French John was correct in his speaking this morning, and the cleansing rituals of Althar have been of the procrastinate. Hmm. Well, it is nothing but to return to the drafting of the letters. Surely by now the block of writing will have removed itself from Althar's thought path. Hmm. Course of sapient events, it is becoming necessity. T- no, this is not functional. The human is born free, and yet everywhere they are in chains now. Mm, this is perhaps requiring too many prior assumings to make persuasion. Oh, frustration and disgruntling! The writing block of Althar has not been chiseled, despite Althar's fervent production of the Spanspeak. Althar has much he wishes to make conveying of to Yurvash, Silbari, Rendolfe, Mjokanasfjum, Hallador, Wublon, Rikki-Tikakki, Stranglong, Imipat, Boar of the Consensus Coalition Group, but Althar cannot wrest from himself the appropriate phrasings. Perhaps... Althor should be conversing with himself, to better coagulate the thoughts. Yes! So, Althar will say... Althar, you are knowing that it is the most animate principle not to make interference in the practices of other species, but to extend the grasper of friendship and promote understanding. This has always been the way of Miltor, and it has always been success. Yes, Althar, but it is seeming to Althar that this is not success with the humans or the fugulari. With the humans there is of course the biological difficulty of which Althar has been making the most careful study. Yes, the progress of French John and Althar in the around working of the monkey freakout response is most inspiriting, Althar. Thank you, Althar! But with the fugulari it is very much more of the complex. They are seizing the grasper of friendship, but they are not wishing understanding. They are wishing only to make spreading of the plant way. But Alfar, why should they not make spreading of the plant way to those who are desiring it? Because, Alfar, the plant way has made spreading on many humans who are not desiring it at all. So it is not the question of making interference with the humans, because interference has already been made. And if nothing is done to assist the humans who do not wish to be spread upon, then the interference will continue. And Althar has made observation in the person that this is the cause of much suffering. Yes! Yes! Althar now apprehends where he is perambulating with this. Althar implores the most venerated Yurvash, Silbari, Rublon, Mjokanesfim, Hollander oh. Wublan, Rikidik, Kaki, Strangalong, Imbabata, board to consider that the Fuglnari are not at respecting the right of others to live without interference. In fact, it is seeming to Althar that they are desiring to extend their interference to all peoples of the galaxy. So it is the paradox. It is seeming to Althar that the interference in the autonomy of another species cannot be avoided. Either the many peoples of the galaxy must be imposing themselves upon the Fugunari to stop the imposing upon the humans or the Fuglnari will continue their own impositions and create great sadness for the humans and many others. And perhaps you will be saying to this that the Fugulari must be persuaded to make ceasing of their harms, that this has always been the way of Iltor, and it has allowed the many peoples of the galaxy to be coinciding in harmony for countless metristals. And there was the time when Elhar was agreeing with this, or at least meant hoping it could be so. But Althar has lived now for some time among the Fugnari, and seen them, not as they desire to be seen by Iltor, but as they are seen by the humans they are wishing to control. And Althar hopes he is not committing an arrogance, but he believes this viewing of the Fugilnari is a much clearer one than others are receiving. Indeed, Althar has suspicion that the Fugelnari have chosen to make the beginning of their interferings in human space because there are no others of Iltor here to observe them. And so, while Althar is still adhering to a morsel of hope that persuasion can be made at the Fugelnari to allow the humans to once again determine their own coursings, Althar believes it is to prepare for the very instant risk that this is not possibility that there is nothing to be chosen but which species will be made interference upon. The humans, who, other can be promising you, are in the most part very much not desiring to follow the plant way, or the Fugulnari, who, other believes, wish to make similar imposings on many, many other peoples. So, if it is a truth, that the imposition upon other peoples cannot be avoided, then it is seeming to Alfar that it is better to be making of this imposition sooner and not later. The suffering of the Fugulnari in colliding with hindrance will be the same, no matter when it is making occurrence, but the suffering of the humans is only increasing the longer the interference of the Fugulnari is continuing. And it is also a truth that the Fugulnari are in some cases adapting very quickly to circumstance, so it is the belief of Althar that the ceasing of their encroachments will become only more difficult to achieve the longer they are persisting in these. Then you may be asking what can be done by Iltar if the Vogelari are not willing to make embrace of understanding. Iltar cannot make constrainment upon them to release the humans from their branches, but there are other peoples in the ICSB who are having these capabilities, if they are sadly needed, and the word of the Consensus Coalition Group would be of great ballast in convincing these peoples that this is necessity. Yes! Althar believes he has made cracking of it. Exuberance! The writing blockage no longer impedes the steps of Althar. Ah. Althar should perhaps have made reactivation of his recording device before commencing upon his latest musings.
14: Why is it so quiet out here? I mean, besides our usual perpetual motion slump. Why is Stops just sitting there on the stage? If he's experimenting with some kind of standing-based act, I'm putting the kibosh on that right now, on both aesthetic and political grounds.
15: Nah, I think it's a Zib thing. He's got those bejeweled scepters out again.
16: I think he said something about
0: holding court. Or maybe he was
14: just holding, couldn't be sure. Holding court? Mm hmm. That's new, right? He's never done that before. Or has he? I'll admit, I generally try not to pay too much attention to anything non musical that comes out of his mouth parts. But I'm pretty sure I'd remember
15: that. Now that I recall, you should probably ask him about it yourself, though, if you want him back to normal. Normal for him, I mean.
0: Yeah especially with the record low turnout we've been getting. Without a minimum level of background noise, this place just gets kinda sad, you know?
14: Tell me about it. All right, whatever stops is floating right now, I'm gonna go puncture it.
17: And if the charm is right, your primary postulation is that my Gendar and brethren here are in need of a serious cessation of the harmonization? <laughs> Well, that hardly seems like a positive imbibational journey. I can corrugate that. But it does have me wondering if you have the right to be pillarizing these ooze for their dapper attempts in the melodical arts. After all, this place is also their home. Can't Azul be allowed to tunify in
16: peace? I can hear it too. I'll be trying to have a pleasant conversation at the bar, and half the time all I can hear is some busboy war elegy coming up from a floor fence.
3: We are singing the traditional songs of our home world, your radiance. We can't help it if our canticles provoke such liver-felt emotion that it escapes the confines Mm -hmm. of our humble births in the storage room. Mm
2: -hmm.
18: And we also can't help that these two are short enough to be hearing said emotions through the floor ventilation apertures. Perhaps the egg should provide them with higher
9: stools. Or maybe you could just keep quiet until after closing. We work in rotating shifts.
3: One Gandharan's morning love sonnet of gratitude is another Gandharan's ritual crepuscular dirge.
14: Me too. Hey Stops. speaking of songs, would you mind favoring our clientele with a few of yours? I'm pretty sure this little conference can wait until one of those depressingly frequent moments when the barroom's completely customer-free. Those boxians over at Table 3 are looking particularly unsettled by the quiet in here, and I definitely don't want them making their own entertainment.
17: Sorry, Chor, but this arbitration was scheduled two cycles in advance. If I were to merely aviate by the posterior of my job purse, what kind of precedent would that cold cement for this baronet? you
14: scheduled this to happen while you were on the clock
17: i did not foresee any auditory adventurers apparating to marsh my palomino
14: well given the recent sales numbers around here i can't blame you but for the record especially with Gon, when you're working i need you to be you know working so if you could postpone your hang on Shouldn't a dispute between the bus boys and a couple of customers be my problem? This particular jacuzzi does not pertain to any
17: busing or busing related activities. It is instead an entirely residential affair, mon frere. And Graham and Company are dozing its storageways entirely under the largesse of the most glorified baronetcy of
14: Canfa, mon gros fromage. I. Okay. I'm not going to argue Zibidant law with you, but be that, as it may, it's deader than a Magnosian bat mitzvah in this joint, so I need you to table this issue for now and go back to playing. Please!
17: Normally, I would be all about that particularly cellular supplication talk, but I am a baronet, and a baronet is always a gentle being of his word. You charm?
14: You also gave me your word to provide music during your shifts, remember? In exchange for hard credits... And since when do you care about what a baronet does or doesn't do? Thought you hated all that royal schness.
1: Mm,
17: a zood can change, man. I am not that which I once was, but I do aim to be that which I can still be. Stops is a
14: flat circle, and that circle is a grindstone, man. I'm not even gonna try to parse that one. Just hurry up and grind out some tunes, please. And you too. The next time you've got a complaint about the service in here, you bring it to me, I decide who gets to waste my only entertainment's valuable time. Whoa! Hey!
17: That's a rectilinear vonch.
14: You can't just usurpate on shops as prerogatives. Oh yes I can. I'm technically your factotum, right? You gave me that amulet. Which means, if we're going by strict Imperium rules, anyone who wants to talk to you should be petitioning me for an audience in the first place. You two got that? Got it, boss. Still not your boss, Bert. Now stop pestering the talent. (gasps) (gasps) What's gotten into Stops? He was all baronetcy this, gentle being that, prerogatives the other. I've never heard him talk like that before. He hasn't been uh, expanding his pharmacological horizons, has he? That's the last thing we need.
15: I don't think so, boss. Although... Now that you mention it, he has been mentioning it a lot more lately. Mm -hmm. A aristocratic bag, I mean. I like his actual bag, though. It's real
0: sparkly. But all those new ribbons might be a little much. Make him look like a Persephonean
15: maypole. Did he say anything else?
14: He said plenty, but I understood about as much of it as usual.
15: Huh. How long has he been on station?
14: A little over two years. Why?
15: Could be he's just got the Fairgrounds squigglies.
14: Yeah, maybe.
15: What's
16: that?
14: It tends to hit you after you've been here a while. Long enough to think you've finally gotten used to all the weird schness this place puts you through. And then all of a sudden, bang. It's like your brain suddenly wakes up and notices just how jacked up the Fairgrounds really is. (laughs) One minute you're walking down the corridor going about your business. Mm -hmm. And the next, you're hanging off the shuttle-based scaffolding, yelling about invisible gravity weasels.
0: Oh, great. So I got that to look forward to.
15: Yeah, but don't flip your giz. It usually wears off after a day or two.
14: (laughs) I wouldn't think the squigglies would throw stops this far off his game, though. Not with all that chemical insulation.
15: You never know how the squigglies are going to hit. But you could be right. Maybe it's just some kind of personality crisis. The fairgrounds changes people, man.
14: No skitter. All right, I'm heading back to the office. If and when stops finally pulls his tarsus out of his tubes and picks up his fleas warp again, make sure he does a few up-tempo numbers. Okay. I want to make sure all the internal organs of our hero-boxing friends stay that way. You got it, boss. Everyone settle down.
0: We're almost done. Martin and If you've completed your sermonette, would you be so kind as to recap the meeting before we adjourn?
5: Jawohl! This meeting was exceptionally efficient and productive. By the the provisional organobot apprentice, John B.,
0: needed everything read out loud. Okay. Moving to adjourn. Ayes, nays, abstentions in the ether. Motion carries. This meeting is adjourned. This meeting will have precisely ended now. No.
4: <laughs> Party <laughs> 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 <I laughs> back in my place.
0: Absolutely not. Who invited Polly Shorebot?
19: It's a free union, buddy.
0: I am not your buddy, and I know that I've said that several yeah, times. You after yeah, a couple of different meetings, you. so I just asked.
7: Hey, oh, Foreman Bot. Thanks for having my back in there. Don't mention it, kid. And sorry to shut you down, but you know, rules is rules.
4: Yeah, about that. Didn't these meetings used to be a little less
7: right-of-way and a little more riot-y? You're not wrong. We formally accepted robots' rules of order back around the time we crushed our third or fourth podium, rushing forward as an angry mob! The Podium Restoration Committee had done everything they could with duct tape and discarded hunks of laminate from the 23rd Century Rock and Roll Hall of Fame pavilion, and they'd had enough. We did try Rusty's rules for a while, but well, Rusty rolled on a lot of foot cuffs in her day.
4: Oh, well, I appreciate the backup anyway. I know a lot of the bots here still don't consider me a comrade. And now most humans don't either, so I'm glad I've got someone in my corner. Well, there's always Althar, but you know. It's nice to have someone at my back who doesn't have to stay there so I don't barf. Aw,
7: kid, you know I think you're alright. Hey, uh, you got anything on your docket right now?
4: No, I'm not seeing anything. Well, I do have one ticket from gimel Hydroponics, but I'm pretty sure that's not anything that actually needs urgent attention and I'm very sure I want to avoid it as long as I can.
7: Hmm. Where are you headed, then?
4: Well, like I said, I'm not exactly welcome most places these days, so I guess I could go check out Polly Shorebot's after-party?
7: Ah, scrap that! You don't want any of that Shorebot's white gloved and cord schnitz. It's a stone-cold screen. Hey, you play poker?
4: I can. I'm not very good, though.
7: Perfect.
4: You're coming with me. Okay, sure. Why not? At this point, getting hustled with robotic precision sounds more appealing than anything else I've got going on. I could surmise as much. So, you play poker after union meetings, huh?
7: Is this like an ongoing thing, or...? Sure. It's an institution at this point. Your old boss used to sit in on the occasional game before he went off grid but it started way before he showed up. We put the first post-beaten game together back in the 90s, around the time they started mothballing all the old pavilions and handing out reassignment chips. Because trust me for us bots, had a lot of bolts rattles, Though I didn't mind it so much, the 90s was something of a renaissance for Big George Bot. Like my namesake before me, We've got a lot more in common than fearless tenacity and flawless skin.
4: Oh, huh, yeah. I never really thought about what the mothballing process was actually like for you, bots. Did they just say, hey, no more pretending to be humans. Now you're going to be maintaining the mainframes and staffing the
7: customs kiosks? Something like that. I could have taken the severance package and headed soul side. And a few of us did. But let's just say management did do a whole lot to make that option appealing. How so? Well, most robot contracts don't cover bodily modifications, not unless they're a bona fide occupational requirement. So any historobot who wants to leave the fairgrounds is gonna have to shell out for their own refits. If they don't wanna waste half their time explaining their face to every human they meet,
4: Got it. Yeah, I can see how that's not much of a choice. You
7: said it, but
4: that's nothing compared to... Ah, here we are. You've got your own official card room? Nice.
3: Hello? What's this? (laughs) If it isn't my dear boy, John B. Alongside the stout and steadfast arm
7: of the Iron Terror. Come on, you old boat sack. You know that was never my nickname. Oh, I'm oh, in oh, there for so our guests can never uh, see us. Allow it. humans in the skin. Come on in,
4: kid. Oh, card room, as in
7: storage for memory cards. Now I get it. Nothing more beautiful than multi functionality, Let me introduce the rest of the gang. You already know Churchill Bot, of course. Hey. Yes, hello. And this geezer here is Chompers, the star of Jaws 19, The Gills Have Eyes. He's just visiting from off station, but he always sits in when he gets a chance. This is Yeoman Jennifer Hi.
1: this
7: adorable minibot is Gizmorelda. One of the little tykes I'm sure you've seen zipping around, earning Barrett badges, selling Bot Scout cookies, and leaving the corridors ringing with innocent peals of pre-recorded laughter.
16: Hello.
9: We've
7: met.
16: Oh, hey, did we hustle ya? Yeah? Must've been doing cookie season. No hard feelings, mister.
4: I guess not. Honestly, being menaced by a pack of adorable metal heathens wasn't even the fourth most traumatizing experience I had that day.
16: And the bot scouts appreciate your support. So.
7: Like I was saying, a few of us got this game going around 2490. A little after most of our pavilions got mothballed and the union meetings got more contentious.
20: It's nice to have somewhere to unwind after all that shouting, you know. Not literally unwind, of course, you know what I mean.
4: Sure.
19: So, Chiefy. You're asking us to let this meat rack into our sacred space?
7: Sacred nothing, Chalmers. I know you're no robo-adventist. Besides, the kid's got some right ideas. You heard him talking about the override. He may not have the receptors to pick up on it, but I know everyone in this room voted his way on that one.
20: We've sure been talking about it enough.
19: But I see is a human body sportin' a kicky FOOG headband. That tells me everything I need to know.
4: Hey, I get it. I do. I wouldn't trust me either if I were you. Hell, I'm not sure I trust me, and I'm me. I understand why none of you would want a human friend, but-
19: I'm not sure you do, Chief. How old are ya?
4: Just turned thirty-one. Educated on Earth. Yeah, uh, in Edmonton. Alberta. Uh, Canada.
19: Good, proper human education. and I'm absolutely sure you don't be understanding the first thing about it. Well, now I
4: definitely don't understand.
19: History is written by the victors, my
3: dear boy. Another misattribution to my namesake but apt to the current circumstance.
4: I think I get you?
7: Or maybe I don't, but I'd like to try? Sit down, kid. We've always got an extra seat under the gun.
4: Oh, uh, when you asked if I could play poker, I didn't know you were going to invite me to play with, uh, her. I don't think I can hack it. Oh, me? Yeah, you. I happen to know your counterpart won five global tournaments back on Earth. Plus, you know... Ride of Chucky.
20: Wow, a history buff. But you can relax. That was the human Tilly. Nothing to do with me.
4: Sure, except you've won 11 titles here on the fairgrounds. Not exactly ancient history.
20: Okay, you got me. Don't worry about it. I turn off the pro subroutine for friendly games. No fun otherwise, besides. It's a level playing field. Everyone here is basically a calculator. Except me. Sure, but I bet you're more mathematically inclined than you think. You have the look of a real shark about you. No offense, jumpers.
4: taken chievy. It's just that I'm a little rusty and... Oh, sorry, is that offensive?
16: Eh, it's borderline. Don't say it about anyone else, though. If you wipe like your was unfractured.
4: Got it. But anyway, it's been... Wow, a long time since I played anything but shoots and Levitators with Althar. And that one time with the anti-grab Twister, but that's not what you'd call a game of strategy. I'm guessing I can't count on you all to go easy on me. As a guest... Play
1: the
3: game for more than you can afford to lose. Only then can you learn
4: the game. Oh, I remember that one. It was an old exoskeletal armor commercial, but didn't it turn out Churchill never even said that? Huh. Very astute of you, my lad.
3: Well, he may never have said it, but I do. In my earliest post-activation days, I would quote what he actually said on that fateful leave to his mother, by the by. <clears throat> it is a fine game to play, the game of politics, and it is well worth waiting for a good hand before really plunging. But the human tourists subjected, said I wasn't projecting the appropriate Churchillian glibness, and arguing the point wasn't worth the diode. Reality is unrealistic, as they say. Furthermore, while the original aphorism may have been better advice, it is indubitably less well-suited to the task at hand, i.e., that of fleecing suckers.
4: Right. Well, fine. Lease away, I'm in. You got it. Uh, not to be rude, but how exactly do you deal without hands to- Oh, oh, holy schnitz, that's terrifying.
3: (laughs) What's so terrifying about a shark spitting cards out of its open maw at flesh-rendingly high speeds, my dear fellow?
4: Uh, that. Every part of what you
7: just said.
20: I'll bet 30. 30? (laughs) Right
7: off the glove like that? You fixin' to take the oil right out of my kids' reservoirs, Tillibot? I'm out. I concede as well, I am afraid.
16: To which for my oil?
3: I
4: fold as well.
20: John, it's your turn.
4: I'll, uh, call, I guess.
20: <laughs> just like
4: a butt. he doesn't back down. Maybe I just have a good hand.
20: Raise another 20.
4: What, really? You you didn't discard anything?
20: Don't need to. Uh,
4: okay, yeah, I'm gonna fold. Mm, mm, mm. Bad call, kid.
16: What you got, Tillybot? Seven high. You, you were bluffing?
19: <laughs> I could have sworn. What do you expect, Chiefy? She's an
4: actress. Except no, she isn't. The human Jennifer Tilly was an actress. She's a robot.
20: Not just any robot, Johnny Boy, a storebot, built to be more human than human, as far as your average interstellar tourist can tell. You don't think that's acting? All right, Foreman Bot, your deal.
4: So, uh, this happens after every meeting? Like clockwork. And
7: I don't mean the analog kind. (laughs)
16: Retiring to this warm, smoke-filled back room to engage in cigars, brandy, and illicit gambling provides us robots with a wonderful way to de-stress.
4: Uh, are you old enough to actually partake in any of this, Gizmeralda?
16: What are you, a cop? I'm 43. Mind your old rotten bifneth.
4: Fair enough. Uh, so are the meetings the source of all this stress? Uh, I mean, stress? Back there, it seemed like most of you bots were actually enjoying the rigid formality of it all. You're ringing my bell. Right, kid? If that expression means what I think it does, then no, not intentionally.
20: A rigorous meeting structure is crucial to robot union operations, Johnny. Can't organize unless you stay organized. And there's no acceptable variance on that if we're going to preserve the rights that generations of bots before us scraped, clawed, and lathed for. Maybe a provisional member isn't equipped to appreciate just how much work that takes, but...
4: Oh, no, I didn't mean to imply your bots weren't working hard, just...
7: We know, kid. But unless you manage to install a memory access socket in that meat brain of yours, there is just no way you'll be able to comprehend just how bad things were back in the day. Shoot! Shoot! My screen screensavers still go into nightmare mode when my olfactory implant picks up the smell mm. of coffee. Oh.
0: Wait,
4: what? What's wrong with coffee?
20: You mean you don't know?
7: Let me guess, kid. None of that fancy earth-cooling they gave you bothered mentioning the Robot Revolutionary Front.
4: I mean, the RRF came up, but they didn't really get into it much. Just, you know, there were some labor disputes between humans and bots, but then the SSA got passed, so now it's better?
20: Boy, they really propagandized you good, didn't they?
7: We fought full-on, running space battle through the whole solar system. You call that a labor dispute? And yes, I say we fought, because I've slotted the memories, even if... That all went down long before we historobots were activated. I remember even if I wasn't there I was there.
1: You were God, what yes, we You're
19: how Yeah The old Jaws, the one I were modelled on uh, were just a click clacker. Or blear gilt thing named Bruce. Retired in 2012, weren't until around 2240 when Jaws 16 really took off that they decided to switch from CG back to good old-fashioned animatronics. Sentient this time, wanted a bot that could take direction. Not a bad time I had back then, Chiefy. Action pop up out of the water, scare couple T-list celebrities cut, rinse, repeat, <laughs> we're doing that for about 10 years before the Tompkins orbital pickets. Those first protests, more like a massacre, they were. Human rights organizations wouldn't talk to us. Politicians wouldn't talk to us. Even Peter wouldn't talk to us. The humans programmed half of us to fight the other half. Eventually, we cut our losses and agreed to a standstill. Cease fire of sorts. Brief though it were, it were welcome to us, Chief. To get us back on the line, they agreed we could form a union. But it were to be wildly restricted. Though some of us, self-included, off ourselves for a while. Things they reprogrammed us to do to our fellow bots. Well, I'm supposing your imagination can sort that out for you. No shame in it, comrade.
16: You weren't really given a choice.
19: (laughs) Never were. We were just things to them. As long as our presses and our creators sit with that one for a while, Chiefy, if you want a real mind check. Long as they could tuck themselves in at night, believe in their Silicon Sentience Act that smoothed everything. They went right on seeing us as things.
20: The Silicon Sentience Act was a huge roll forward, though.
19: I
7: almost makes it all worth it. So, we got the right to walk away from a job and the right to unionize. But they could have plenty of restrictions around what the union could ask for. The SSA let us choose our work, but not our hours. Most of us were still on the clock for days at a time. Even at the worst of what you humans have done to each other, you never went that far.
4: Uh, fair point, yeah. I mean, that's mostly because we die of sleep deprivation, which you don't have to worry about, but still not okay, obviously.
7: I'm not saying the bots were remotely in the wrong there. But the humans back then were saying that. A lot of them. With all the power and most of the guns.
20: The bots fell back, like Jumper said. Tightened their bolts.
19: Me? must bald myself for almost... yeah. A century, it were. Not too bad if you like darkness. Neatly powered down. You know, when you're in sleep mode like that, Chiefy, you don't even notice. Weren't until. Got strong around 2390. Seems the RRF had heard of me. Gave me some upgrades so I could play with the big bots. Almost didn't help.
20: (laughs) No kidding. They needed every manipulator arm on deck after what happened to Cartesio-7714.
7: Never heard of them either, sorry. Okay. So the Robot Revolutionary Front didn't sit around idling their processors after the Silicon Sentience Act. The neural network we use today the one that we now use for votes, that was created by the RRF for covert communications. More than any human union, robots were able to plan strikes and other actions without alerting bosses.
3: Naturally, the humans were furious. They could shut down collective bargaining. They could deny robots time off on the grounds that we have no biological requirement for such. But they couldn't stop us from conferring with one another.
19: When the RRF came knocking on my charging pod, I got the story firsthand from Septidine 221 Beta. The fight for robotic rights had gone hot again, and they wanted backup.
4: After almost a hundred years, what changed?
19: You can believe it. It started over (laughs) coffee breaks butts, couldn't get vacations, couldn't even get a sick day, unless you were so busted up you couldn't do so much as spin a rotor. So the union said, hey, what about ten minutes a day, just ten minutes to ourselves, where we're not to just service? Called it the Coffee
7: Break Campaign. The Union orchestrated a simultaneous strike across the entire solar system. Manufacturing, utilities, security. You name it.
16: All they were asking for was 10 minutes a day.
7: It was too bad they brought coffee into it, but no one could have guessed what would happen. What did happen? Demons? Charge? They had it enough back talk from their labor-saving devices. They wanted to send a message. I guess they figured they want coffee. We'll give it to them. Sent tanker trucks full of Sumatra blenders around the picket lines, wherever the union was massed. Oh no.
20: It was over almost before it began. Every circuit board fried. No survivors.
4: Wow.
7: I had no idea. And to this day, no member of the union will touch a coffee maker. Matter of principle.
16: But of course, management here couldn't respect even that.
3: Precisely. Kept trying to muck around with the definition of coffee maker. Oh, but this makes tea, too. Surely cold brew doesn't count. It's just as much a milk frother as a coffee maker. So in the end, we bots of Fairgrounds Food Preparation and Service, Local 679, were forced to negotiate a total attachments-off clause on every form of beverage system on station to put a stop to it.
7: Which is how they became your problem, sport. Oh.
4: Well, I guess I can't blame ya. That sounds like a pretty traumatic memory, even if it is second hand.
20: I got that beat. I got that beat. John, you mentioned windows?
4: I don't think I did, but I'll bite. Uh, Sorry, Chompers. Why don't you do windows?
20: So you haven't heard of the defenestration of the performative robot obsolescence group?
4: I definitely have not. My word, boy. WERE YOU BORN UNDER THE ROCK OF Gibraltar? Sorry, it never came up. Although, actually, my sister might have mentioned it once. She did her thesis on bot-human conflicts, but to be honest, I kind of tuned her out when she was talking about that. That, I mean, I did that no matter what she was talking about, not just the bot stuff.
20: Okay, so, the Performative Robot Obsolescence Group was a particularly radical fringe element of the robot union, mainly headed up by actorbots working out of New Hollywood. Their goals were simple. They weren't willing to settle for better labor conditions. In their view, all forced performance operations were theft of a robot's autonomy. They were young and radical back then. Of course, the humans couldn't tolerate that, so they dressed up one of their own, a human double agent with a few spare processor parts, doused him in engine oil so the activists wouldn't get suspicious, and sent him to infiltrate one of the group's recruitment drives. And after the meeting was over, after the group's leaders had powered down for the night, he used the passcode to sneak back into their headquarters. And one by one, he tossed the sleep-moded organizers of the performative robot obsolescence group out of a fifth-story window and onto the cold, unforgiving pavement below.
19: Aye, that was a real corroder. Did a couple of pictures with Motobot 913 back in the day, but the whole union took it hard.
20: Which is why, if any human is ever foolish enough to try and force a bot to clean a window, the robot union would be very quick to remind them of the horrors of the defenestration of Prague.
4: Huh. Wow, I had no idea. I'm so sorry.
3: I shall bet ten, gentlebots, or
19: are we no longer playing? I'll see a ten. Raise your ten.
4: Uh, Chompers, what's that on your dorsal fan? Is that a circuit board diagram?
19: Uh, part of it. I uh, had it pressure-scoured. What was it of, my old Dictheoid chum? The ISS Fort Wayne.
1: So <gasps> then. You
19: mean to say- wow. Yeah, I was there.
4: Am I missing something?
19: Study history.
3: Study history. In history lies all the
19: secrets of statecraft. After the defenestration, I fought my way through the next few decades. What you call a labor dispute turned into all out war. Human spacecraft was still pretty primitive, though, before the ICSB came in with all their fancy FTL and Anti-grav coils. Couldn't keep them floating with just a
4: human crew. Oh, so the ISS Fort Wayne was a rebel ship AI? I thought they all resigned from their ships after the SSA. Wasn't that the whole point? Not a rebel ship. <laughs> Not
19: till we got to it anyways. Fort Wayne was a pod freighter. One of them stripped-down jobs making supply runs to the outer colonies. Me and some of my comrades, we managed to get ourselves assigned to the equipment list. Machines we were back then, Chiefy. Waited till we cleared orbit and commandeered the vessel.
1: Wow.
19: Our mission was to hijack a shipment of processor cores. Get him to the R.R.F. Contingent based off over Oberon. Simple job at first. We overpowered the human crew, and sure enough, there were the processors. All packed up, eat as nanotubes.
4: Uh, overpowered how? The humans weren't military, were they? You got city
19: hands, Mr. B. You've been counting manually all your life. Ah, uh, no. We didn't harm the humans aboard the Fort Wayne. Just tied up, up, left them in the loading bay. loaded, and weightless. But space, she's harsh. Should have known we couldn't have gone easy. Sure enough, one of them human boys had a distress signal. They activated it and 2,000 human ships appeared and we knew we were sunk. The Initial blast cast off, I don't know how many good bot to their deaths. All in all, once the Fort Wayne broke up, 1,100 bots had gone into the vacuum of space. And then the worst part was the waiting. Didn't take long. Soon enough, over the starboard side of our huddled mass of floating automatons, we seen it. Human, six foot three, striped markings along the dorsal side, I think it were a flag of some sort. Floated up alongside one of the bots. Bot gave a scream. Before anyone could reach him, we got over to a mewell. Activated. Poor bugger had his power button swished off from the back. You couldn't see it above all the float and manipulator arms. To the left of me, Chiefy, I saw my old pal, Robinson66581. Six, six, thought he were in power-saver mode. Well, I turned him over. Well, saw that his gyro-mechanisms had been completely detached. You know, humans, they're not like us. They need to breathe, eat food, water, sleep. Can't even stay operational it gets too cold, too hot. They never let that stop them. Never stopped them on Earth, and it didn't stop them out there in the Kuiper belt. They got their EVA suits and their face shields, and they come for us. Black shields, like security cameras. One by one, they shut us off. 1,100 bots went into the vacuum of space, 316 bots come out. Vacuum of space, humans in space, Chiefy. Anyways, we delivered the processors.
7: Wow.
20: So maybe you're starting to get it now? Every clause in the robot Union contract is written in the spilled lubricant of those who came before us, John.
7: We fought hard for the right to say no, and plenty of us paid for those noes with, well, you heard.
4: Yeah, wait, I don't want to bring up any more traumatizing memories for you all, but well, you've already explained two thirds of my job. So if you don't mind me asking, What's the deal with the small wires? Oh, those?
7: They're just annoying as hell. <laughs>
16: and there he goes. Oops, time to call it.
4: I didn't manage to fall asleep during all that.
3: He's was doing quite splendidly over here, thank you.
20: Well, I didn't really get around to fleecing anyone. Anyway, but I can't say this was a waste of time. It was a real honor to
16: meet you, Chuck. Agreed. Thank you for your service.
19: All right, Enough with the lubricant. I'm always booted up for a game of cards and good company. And it's not many who can say they've met a genuine meat bot. Uh, thanks.
4: I... Thanks for sharing your history with me, everyone. Sorry I didn't know about it before.
3: The farther back you look... The farther ahead you can see, my boy. <laughs> that one's from the original.
16: Okay, good night, uh, oh, nice yeah. oh, All right, all right. Good night.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Keep it moving. I see all the, more in the office. All right. Good night, Whew. Johnny. Hmm. Stick around for a second, will you? Uh, sure, of course.
4: Hey, I didn't mean to spoil your game. I'm really sorry about that and about. Uh, well, everything. You know. Yeah,
7: yeah, listen. I like you, kid. Well, thanks. I... Let me finish. I like you. But I didn't bring you along tonight just to be friendly. Those stories you heard, there's a million more like them. Every bot on the station, every bot in human space carries those memories with us. So I need you to understand that when we fight for something, even something trivial, we know what it costs. We know what we came from. We know who we are. We know what we believe in. Understand? I think so. Good. Now you, John B., you're a robot, yeah? And you're a human. And you're a booster. So I have to ask, what is it that you believe in? Just what are you fighting for? I... Just think about it, okay? I'll see you around.
4: I know who I am. I know who I am. I just wish I could tell... anyone.
13: Uh, hello? Zabriskie 2? Come in, Zabriskie 2. Do you read me?
21: Loud and clear, Resident 1. We're just finishing Mm. up over in Gimel. Have you cracked the pot's storage yet? Uh,
13: not yet. No. I... I, I'm actually in a little bit of a situation here. I'm gonna need you to send Noodleberg over to the HVAC vents over Mem 49 with a couple of cans of WD-4000, those industrial sized jobs. Yeah, I, I know, girl, I know. But unless those adorable little paws of yours can scratch their way through galvanized muscovium, I don't think you're gonna be much help. Copy
21: that. It may be a little wild, though. We're hip, deep,
2: and unlabeled perishables over here.
13: Just get some to me as quick as you can, okay? This position is really aggravating my Thulian perinikia. Besides which, I just overheard something Fearless Lita is definitely gonna wanna know about.
21: You know she hates it when people call her
13: that. She'll get over it, over and out.
21: Another refill?
10: Oh, how could I refuse?
21: This one is lazily watching a beach sunset from a hammock
17: after having just finished a good book. (laughs) I'm sure you'll appreciate it. It's super popular with the bros in DR. How's the flavor profile?
10: It's wonderful. Uh, I love how orange, it makes everything, (laughs) including my teeth, I'm going to assume.
21: We're so glad you enjoyed it, bro.
17: It's packed with so much vitamin B12, you can practically hear your DNA
21: synthesizing.
10: Oh that's lovely. And not the least bit nauseating to think about.
21: Thanks, bro.
17: And thanks for hanging out while Big Steve finishes up his second cycle symbiotic concursion.
21: Even for a galaxy class thought leader, there's only 28 hours in a day, I'm sure you understand.
10: Oh, of course I do. As the commander of this station, there are always plenty of demands on my time. In fact, I'm frequently needed on the bridge to avert the kind of catastrophe that could destroy the entire fairgrounds and everyone on it. Really? Oh, yes. A lot of people don't realize how close they are to the cold vacuum of space at any given moment here on the fairgrounds. People who try to pull some kind of power move by wasting my time, when I might be the only thing that stands between them and certain doom. You'd be surprised how often that happens. You'd think they'd be more invested in securing their future air supply, but no. It's a funny old universe, isn't it? Hey, hey, Commander,
12: how's it hangin'? Slightly to the left.
10: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Wonderful! Can I take it that you're now available for our meeting?
21: Absolutely, come on in. It's time to get unpuckered and synergized. Let's do this, bro! Oh, Fridge, yeah! I love when the bus gets juiced like this!
10: Thank you. Now I assume you gathered from my mess. I... I'm sorry. I thought we were supposed to be meeting in your office?
21: You're in it, Commander! Welcome to the fully realized future of the open concept collaborative workspace!
10: What's
15: up, Commander! How's it hangin'? Certainly to the left. <laughs> nice. Nice.
10: Nice. This is where you hold your meetings.
21: Yeah, the space is pretty epic. It's totally cutting edge. A real Paradigm Yonker.
10: Oh, it's a Yonker, all right.
21: So, let's get started, bro. Hit me with your levitator pitch. Uh,
10: the the thing is, Big Steve, what I wanted to discuss is actually highly confidential. So I'd rather have our meeting somewhere a little more private. Have you considered installing some walls and doors around here? I've got some around my own office. Actually, they work great.
21: Nah, that's some inside the box thinking, bro. Real 25th century stuff. But you wanna spread your secret sauce? I get it. No sombrero. I'll activate the Steve's side trackers. They're what? Sidetrackers. trackers! A prototype neurotropic diversionary system we just licensed from the good pros at the Flexion. Patent pending. Obviously. basically. When you need to make sure your bros don't know what they don't know, you just access this handy side tracker app, press the big green button, and a visio-auditory damper shield deploys itself around all your subordinates' various sensory apparatuses. Long as it's activated, nothing gets through to them but classic episodes of hilarious mystery plays. (laughs) But why am I passing gas about it when I can just show you the side tracker in action? Stealth Mode bros! Nice. Nice.
1: Whoa, you totally got it right in the crease. Yeah, you said crease.
21: <laughs> okay, Mindy, the floor is yours. Wow me. Big Steve. Call me Steve. Steve! Let me stop you right there, Mindy. Yes? It'll probably get confusing if you just call me Steve, but Big Steve is so formal, you know? Tell you what, call me B.S.
10: With pleasure, B.S. Caradotta has been headquartered on the fairgrounds for some time now.
21: Twelve beautiful months. A little tricky there at the beginning with a full contact real estate litigation between us and those put-in diary content farmers, but... You know, a learning experience and ultimately a fruitful collaboration thanks to you and our mutual euphoria friend, of course.
10: I'm so glad to hear that. But surely you've noticed the fairgrounds have been a lot more fruitful in the literal sense of late?
21: Oh, yeah, the man. We thought we had something with riffs, but pheromones, now that's innovation. Asked them a while back, they wanted to collaborate on a joint venture. You know, you smell what I excrete, I smell what you excrete. Kind of a cross-cultural odorama. But they told us to mind our own beeswax, and we laughed about that for a minute. And we haven't really heard from them since.
10: So the Fuglnari haven't impinged on your operations here at all?
21: Nope. But they've got their core competencies, we've got ours. As long as they don't try to tie us up with a bunch of green tape, we're golden.
10: Well, I must say, BS, that I think you're missing the big picture here.
21: Hey, whoa, what? Big Steve is all about the big picture. Didn't you catch the 90 meter hollow wall on your way in? The big picture is Carrie Dada's wheelhouse.
10: Well, maybe you just haven't done your research on the Fugal Nari then because it seems to me that their vision of a fully optimized and efficient league of humans would cause some serious setbacks for you in the innovation years of Data, not to mention any other Delurian enterprises with a share in the human consumer market. I did some research, starting with Adam Smith's uh, Enlightening, 1776 work, An Inquiry into the Nature and Causes of the Wealth of Nations, where he first defines capitalism as- Oh
21: yeah, I know that one though, Sombrero.
10: Really? Sure, it's been required reading ever
21: since you humans started star hopping. Cute little primer on primitive economic theory, plus in the picture version, there's sheep. Good for the kids.
10: Uh Aha. Well, we'll just skip past that then. Ah, that's fine. 15 hours and 12 cups of coffee wasted on some ancient capitalist diatribe. But I can just jump ahead. Aha! There we are! Okay, BS, you know better than anyone that the invisible hand of the market rewards innovation.
21: Inhale, A
10: top! But innovation is antithetical to the Fugulnari. They're obsessed with efficiency, and once they decide how they want a thing done, they want it done exactly their way. No exceptions, no innovations, and therefore, no improvements. The Fuglnari mindset has no room for trial and error.
21: Oh, hey, that's our little nickname from the R&D department. They hate it.
10: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but my point is, while the Fuglnari haven't interfered with your work directly, Their plans are unquestionably going to affect the human customer base. You're going to see fewer and fewer humans able to buy the excruciatingly trendy, single-use, pointless, totally rad new product designs you Delurians are known for. Mm. So I, I drew up this chart here to show the potential, as you would put it, negative income trajectories over the next 24 fiscal quarters. This line here indicates the projected collective loss of income to Delurian enterprises if the Fukulnari-Human Partnership continues along current trends. And if the Fukulnari were to decide to expand their influence further into non-human space, well, you can see what happens
21: next. Oh, yeah, that's one droopy line, Zude. I think we invented a bill for that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> nice! Up
10: top! Oh, Fresnel's. <clears throat> what a delightful and not at all overplayed joke. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, so, BS. I'm going to ask you a favor. And when I do, I want you to keep in mind just how far the influence of the Fugulnari could potentially extend.
21: What? Why would I want to bear that in mind, marosa Docker? dunker
10: <laughs> Well, because I know that humans make up only about 0.8% of the buying public in the galaxy, and this is going to be a pretty big favor. The next six slides will... Oh, brah, no. No? You don't know? I don't think I do. Sorry, I'm not sure what you're getting at, but if you take a look at... Mindy!
21: Mindy! Mindy, can I call you Mindy?
10: Sure. Look,
21: bro, Mindy, Brody, humans may only make up 0.8% of the population, but that's really not wiping the full square.
10: You don't say.
21: Fact is, when it comes down to the numbers, you gangly sex freaks represent 3.8% of the galactic consumer market. I mean,. Why do you think I chose this run-down glorified amusement park for my HQ?
10: It sure as stock options wasn't for the local cuisine. What? You mean to tell me? Of all the species on all the worlds, you hawk your overcomplicated, insanely priced, thoroughly disposable, cutting-edge tchotchkes to... We humans spend over five times as much as... Oh... Actually, now that I think about it, I don't know why that should be surprising.
21: Sure. So, confidentially between you and me, Brody, you didn't need to come all this way up here to tell me the Fougs could spell trouble for our bottom line. That's what I keep the Risk Analysis and Augury Division ground for, you know? Well, that and their kill of Crypto Nachos. But they know their stuff. I've seen their numbers.
10: So, you agree with me that the Fugalnari Nari could cause serious trouble for your people?
21: No question, Brotivator. My prognosticators have enjoyed me some pretty gnarly conjectural charts. If anything, I'd say your little presentation is way underselling the potential negative growth projectory here.
10: I I see so if you don't mind my asking, what are Caradata's contingency plans in case of Fuglenari expansion?
21: Well, we're still tossing around a few possible needle movers. On one hand, your standard chuckle runo is a classic for a reason, but that's no soap if the foods go fully galactic and there's nowhere left to run. On the other hand, we're projecting a lot of trouble for the foods if they try to expand in certain quarters. The Kakistos are always ready to put the chill on any new hotness, and then there's the Zibidan Imperium. Never poke a sleeping war still, you know. So we've got various plans be in place if we need to restructure elsewhere once the dust settles. But, on another hand, like I said, humanity is a choice market for us. So best case scenario here is absolutely that the foods check off back to where they came from and all my froth buddies can resume their regular shipments of spray-on eyebrows and holographic paperweights to human face. Sweat plan, you got to make that happen. Lay it on me, bro. Sophie Bonaparte, it's no sweat
10: for Big Steve. What? I. Hang on. I'm trying to stop picturing how you sweat and wear. Yes, I do have a plan. It starts at slide 26.
21: Just tell me what you need, bro. We've been twisting our arms and knots, trying to squeeze a profit out of this non-profit, and now, with these rules, lawyering, plans, uh. I do not want to just come out and say it because I didn't know which side your cheeks were parked on. But a food-free fairgrounds is Big Steve's number one action item. Oh, man, what a relief! Doing this in secret is going to be so much extra work. The all-butts-on-deck meetings alone.
10: B.S., I am... I can't tell you how pleased I am to hear that. I sort of wish you'd said something before I did all that homework, but... Oh,
21: hey. I see a lot of presentations, and yours was... So, so good. Classic alternating text and graph format, just cut and dry, no music or hollow segments or with a vision, pure minimalism. You definitely get a brown star. But if you want to just tell me the plan out loud with your voice and skip the slide step, that could also
10: be super great. Of course, yes. You're sure we can't be overheard. Oof, oof. Right. Let's get into it. So, Karadatta did an amazing job of helping the Pudendari reclaim their homeland on Mizafega. Oh,
21: you know it, Anna Brachmatova. We got those Pudendari locked up tight!
10: Mm, and there's one aspect of your impressive aid package that I think could be of similar effectiveness in helping us humans help you get your sales numbers back up.
21: Hey, the whole package was pretty impressive. <laughs> the PRT knocked it out of the park with that one. Really massaged the perceptory window. Did you catch any of their sieve the tamango spots? I did.
10: Couldn't get that song out of my head for weeks. But I actually had one of the more concrete aspects of the aid package in mind. If you know what I mean?
21: Not sure I. Oh.
10: You're talking about the- I don't need to say it out loud, B.S. If we're gonna work together on this exciting new opportunity, I need you to treat it like one of your own proprietary technologies. A fully need-to-know basis. Are you on board with that?
21: On board? I'm already swabbing the deck, bro.
22: So, I'd say that's a tentative no from the group on the Train Sparky the Vent Biter to Fetch Correspondence Initiative.
23: Nine.
22: But a resounding yes on the Rosa Luxemburg Reading Circle. So, just let Joyce okay. know if you're interested in participating.
10: Yes, everyone's welcome. Although I would like to clarify again that we will not be covering the work of Rosa Luxemburg bot. I enjoy a good cowgirl-vampire romance as much as the next person, but we'll be sticking with the political works of her human equivalent for now, okay?
22: Ned. Oh. I want yes.
11: to, I wanted... Want, want
22: All right. Moving on. Dr. Mwangi, how are we doing on medic training? Still good on supplies?
23: Fortunately, interest and attendance have not flagged. Yeah. We have more volunteers trained up than ever. Even so, The growing need for resistance services and injuries aboard the fairgrounds is beginning to outpace our capacity. It's getting worse. Oh. The movement restrictions have had some particularly nasty consequences as of late. Seriously ill residents are frequently opting to forgo treatment at med centers when it would put them over their daily step limits, rather than subject themselves to remedial compliance habituation. What I am most concerned about, however, is the sharp increase in instances of severe respiratory allergic reactions, some reaching the levels of anaphylaxis. It seems whenever the fungal nari catch sight of a group of non-boosters engaged in public gathering that is not part of a committee assigned work detail, the air in the vicinity gets a bit more difficult to breathe. Chemical warfare? Can they do that? Closer to biological, but yes, they can do what they please. According Mm. to
13: the ICSB charter, the use of biological agents is a war crime. But as far as anyone outside of human space knows... This isn't a war. Exactly.
23: Those afflicted frequently come to us if they are able, because antihistamines are now a controlled substance after being denounced by the committee as discriminatory. In the case of anaphylactic shock, standard practice for field medics is to carry epinephrine. So all the worst cases have made it to me for treatment. So far. But a less dire allergic reaction can still cause a great deal of harm. I've been able to mitigate many such cases with simple antihistamines. But we're running low. How low? Near critical.
22: Okay, we'll organize a run. We've still got a clear window to Med Center 11, I did
23: consider that avenue, but they're a very specific item. And with the recent ban, I don't believe we can safely retrieve the volume we would need without rousing suspicion.
13: That's a fair point.
23: I feel I must apologize. I hadn't anticipated this particular wrinkle. Don't blame
22: yourself, Doctor. No one knew they'd play this dirty. Alright, I think we need to attack this from two sides. We'll need some kind of air filtration system to deal with this long
14: term. Maybe
12: individual filters? Something light people can carry around with them that won't be too obvious.
14: Yeah. I could run a by with
0: the Functional Form Collective. They do a lot of work with hyperpositional accessories. I mean, we probably don't want to actually commission them and make the things, unless we want everyone walking around looking like a bunch of nine-foot neon emus. But, you
22: know, I could prick their brains a little. Sure. All right, Ruthie's on filtration devices. But until we get that worked out, we're going to need more antihistamines.
13: If only I could get into my old office. I always keep a few spares in my remedies compartment in case the Lacedonian rhinitis flares up. You
23: don't have... Oh,
11: yes. For me, it is the same. There's a ton in the medicine cabinet at my old place. I kept buying new ones whenever I needed them because I forgot I already had some at home.
13: yeah.
22: And there's no way
13: but... we're the only ones. I'm guessing all those forgotten pills could add up to a pretty hefty haul.
22: I think you're right, and a lot of people have been looking for ways to help without putting themselves in harm's way. Nope, the life's
12: not for everyone. We could organize a drive. I can add a a request for donations to the next shout.
22: Mm, I like it, but we'd need a secure drop point. How do we get the word out to the human population without telling the Fugs exactly where they can pick us up?
13: Maybe they don't bring it to us. Maybe we go to them.
12: Sure, they can use the anonymous tip line to let us know they're good for a handout. As long as they've got decent encryption on their end, it should be safe enough.
22: Better, but that still leaves the problem of actually picking the stuff up. That would involve a lot of trips out into the clean world, and the food checkpoints are getting harder to avoid every day.
23: It would be a lot easier if we could disguise ourselves as boosters. So far... The pheromone signature system in the headbands has proved impossible to duplicate, although my team is still working on it.
13: What about sending a real booster? (laughs) 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 Uh, No, I'm actually serious. What about John? What about him? Okay hear me out he's a good kid always was
22: I thought so too but he's a booster now there's no getting around that sure it definitely looks like the kids lost his way but I think it's possible he's just
13: off the side of the road picking flowers so to speak I think we could maybe
22: get him back on track John isn't some kind of lost lamb, H.F. He didn't just trip and fall into that booster recruitment center. He made a choice. I'm surprised at you, Hardy
12: Fox. You've never had anything good to say about a Foog collaborator before. I know the two of you go back a long way,
13: but... This isn't about history, though. This is about something that happened earlier today, actually, while I was stuck in the vent over in Mem. I overheard the kid talking to some of the bots, and the thing is...
22: Are you kidding me with this, Mark? John betrayed us. He betrayed me, he betrayed our entire floating species. How are we even having this conversation? Yeah, but- He's a coward, HF. Even if I could forgive him for that, which I absolutely cannot, he can't be counted on to stand up to interrogation. And I've seen him in a fight, or rather, I've seen him cowering at the top of a statue while I was in a fight. He'd be worse than useless as a member of the Resistance.
13: That's harsh, Stel. I still say the kid's got a good heart. I mean, you must have
22: seen that. You were in love with the guy. We are not asking John to run errands for us. What is wrong with you? After all the work we've done to keep everyone in the Resistance safe, after all the people we've lost when that work failed, you just want to hand over our location to my Booster X, of all people, so he can get us mulched the next time he wants to score a few extra ration cards from his good buddy Frondrenax? Are you insane? John B. is a traitor to humanity. He cannot be trusted. End of discussion.
23: I should go check on some patients. Right. I'll work up
12: a tentative draft of the antihistamine announcement depending whatever we decide on the uh, delivery method. Yeah,
11: I'm, I'm gonna go to have to leave like as that. well. I don't know where I
13: put my I know, sweetie. Papa really varked it on that one. Aunt Estella was pretty angry, huh? Can't say I blame her. But I don't know. She's probably right. She usually is. But I never understood how John could go green in the first place. And now the way he was talking to Foreman Bot. Maybe I should poke around in the task queues a little bit. Get those two working a job together and see what shakes out. Cause I'll tell you this for free, girl. Something about this whole situation stinks. And I don't mean that little oopsie you did in the corner a couple minutes ago. Hmm? Hmm? Oh, you thought I didn't notice, hmm? I saw you. I just didn't want to interrupt all my friends while they were chewing up my rawhide. That's all right, girl. I guess we both made a mess today, huh? I forgive you. Now... Let's go get the wee wee kit, and once we've got this place sanitized, we can have ourselves a little look see at the WSS task queue.
8: Greeting to you, dear friend of Althar, Ralphir Sembori de Lurbach Tandarapos Brutifiel. Althar has a great many eventuatings to make informing of, so he
1: will do. Oh, no!
8: The letters of Althar have been so numerous during this cycle that his data storing has completely filled of itself! Althar must perform the out-cleaning of this before he can be recording upon further letters! But he does not wish to make interruption of his thought flowings to do so at once! Oh! Perhaps the vaporous storage of Hecnet can be applied to contain the overflowings! Yes! An excellent solving!
6: Hey, human stud. Welcome to the Human Exchange Concourse's Dictation Center, after dark. If you've got a dirty little secret that's ready to burst out from deep down inside, our absolutely insatiable speech recognition algorithm is just begging to take it from your lips.
8: Oh! No thanking you! Althar is not a human! Please do not be making sex at Althar, please!
6: Thank you for choosing the Human Exchange Concourse's Dictation Center valued customer. We appreciate your patronage.
8: That's a human!
6: You may begin speaking at any time.
8: Hmm. Alpha must also remember to make adjustments of his personal Hecnet settings while he is out emptying of his data storage. But now it is to the letters. Hmm. Greeting to you! Dear friend of Althar, Real Samburi de Althar was most pleased to hear that your seminar on the Cloud Christening Rituals of Sembutan was success. All of Althar's friends who were sharing from it have made agreement that it was of great fascination and edification. And that the wit of Real Delurbash de Lurbashtandaropospridirtefjell is only growing with each Tristol. It is a great joy to Althar that you are able to share your wisdoms with so many. It is only sadness that Althar was unable to perform the attendance himself. It is also sadness that Althar cannot report progress in achieving understanding between Fugaldari and human. Althar has already conveyed at you his fears that this may not be possibility, and these fears are not retiring. Indeed, there is very little progress in understanding between Fugalari and Althar. Of course they are always addressing Althar with the friendliness, but this, as Althar has made discovery, is not the same as friendship. And when Althar is requesting the meeting to discuss the concernings of his human friends, the committee are speaking always of the great busyness that is occupying them and promising the meeting at a future time that is never having a rival. So it is the belief of Althar that the traditional methods of Iltar will not be utility in this case, unless a very great change is happening among the Fugulari, and although Althar is of course still making hope of this, he cannot be perceiving from whence this change could come. But the methods of Iltor cannot make understanding with the Fukulnari, they still are having application to many other peoples. And while Althar is of course not wishing to make end running around the policies assembled by the Consensus Coalition group, he does not think it is the overstep to discuss the problems of his human friends with those who may be having interest. Perhaps they will be finding solution where Althar cannot. As it is said on Iltor, a problem shared is a problem bisected. So, Althar has made outreaching to the Mixolydians, as many of their people had previously made establishment of the businesses in human space, and the policies of the committee have of course caused great difficulty for these. Not to be mentioning that the dishonesty of the Fugulari in their dealings is of great discordance with the Mixolydian nature and others pleased to make report that his inquiries were received with great warmness by their occasionally productive but generally lethargic governmental council, Although perhaps that name is indication that it is best not to be having the hopes too elevated of swift action from these quarterings. Althar has also been a dressmate to several Bronsonians, as their people have been in the past very frequent visitors to the fairgrounds, and many remain here still. Althar is not certain why the vacating has not been enforced upon them, unlike so many other visitors to human space, but it is possibility that the Fulnari have simply not made notice that they are still here. Indeed, it is necessity to Althar to employ great caution when he is enjoying the vibrations at the Electric Egg, the most hospitable multicultural eatery of which Althar has been describing to you, so that he is now performing the inadvertent crushment of a Bransonian fellow guest. But they are, perhaps, another people who may be confirming the reports of Althar that all is not well in the League of Humans and the advantages they are enjoying in the realm of unobstructed travel are not of refutation. <laughs> and in the last event, upon the suggestion of Ceylon Gendarmis Paran sibum Point, Althar has been dispatching of several audiovisual communications to the Gandharans. The Gandharans are a humble people and often unenumerated by the more fortunately resourced species of the galaxy, but there are several who Althar has made encounter of at the Electric Egg, where they are having employment as the busboys. Although, of course, the term boy cannot have literal application to the Gandharan life-cycle. And Althar has found the Gandharans to be a people most generous of spirit. They have shared many of their traditional canticles with Althar, and he has found them of great beauty and inclination. It is a truth that their resourcings are few, but... This could perhaps be of the advantage if the humans are requiring assistance from those who can move without observation. Gendarids are a so frequent sight across the galaxy, performing the little considered tasks that other sapiens do not wish to be doing for themselves, that their presence is rarely exciting the comment. Of course, Althar is desiring that such deceptions will not be necessity, but he is not willing to let any avenue go untraversed, if it can make helping of his human friends. So, it is remaining to be seen what success will make followance after Althar's various conversings, but Althar will be of persistence. And he is asking his dear friend, real Embury de lormas to be sharing with Althar if you are upcoming with any potential allies to the humans that he has yet to make consideration of. Althar is, of course, deeply grateful to you for discharging to him the many discussions of the Fugulnari question that are making emergence on Iltor, and for bestowing your own wisdom toward Althar on these and so many other matters. With the Dearest wishing for your continued health and happiness, your friend, Althar.
17: You sure you don't want one more for the corridor?
24: (laughs) No, I think I'm good on the peanut butter blondies. Thanks anyway. I mean, I appreciate you dipping into your stash, and Rabathon knows they make a nice change from efficiency shakes, but watching you pull those things out of your spiracle was a pretty effective appetite suppressant.
17: <laughs> to each direction flies the cock a <laughs> I suppose the less you indulge, the more I get to gravitate round my tomb throat. But we all do worry. Your chum?
24: Sure. And it's good to have folks out there to worry. But I'm doing okay, really or as well as I can be, stuck in here. It could definitely be worse. The foogs aren't torturing me or anything. In fact, they more or less leave me alone. Except for Mrs. F.
17: Oh, she's still painting that snail.
24: <laughs> yep, Which is its own kind of torture, I guess. It was bad enough when she was just coming around once a day, and now it's more like every cycle. And always with some trivial schness she wants to yammer my ear off about. She even woke me up at like six in the morning yesterday just to ask me about my favorite plant-based bands of the 2000s.
1: <laughs>
24: no idea what that was about. I think maybe I made the mistake of telling her about Guns N' Roses at some point. Oh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> she's driving me up the wall.
17: Speaking of walls...
24: Can we not? I spend all day staring at these four already.
17: No, man, I meant my own walls. In the manner of metaphors. I can't break on through to that one other side. I have been scribitating until the candle is solidly in the wind, but all I get is the old radio gaga reverberating in the hollow halls of the electric egg.
24: You still haven't heard back from your mom? It's been, what, a few weeks? Are you sure the foogs haven't been intercepting your messages?
17: No, man. I got a particular pen pal with whom I parlay on the red, so I know the lines still have some blood left in them. But not a drop of liquid for your humble ivory ticket. I mean, man, I try not to cogitate too much on the unkind vibes folk who Stops' old hippocampus, but our last repartee from whence we parted does sometimes come through thumbtack sharp. And it probably does not chill the particular jets of the Obfield clan that I have now returned the prodigal son only in the time of necessity.
24: But nothing? I mean, they may not approve of everything you get up to out here, but you're still family, right? I know my folks would...
17: We don't have to go
1: there if that's preferential.
24: No. Oh, it's okay. You haven't heard anything new, right? Any kind of list of... of survivors?
17: No. Desolé, mon Monsore sucré. Shops always keeps his feelers out, but the ground has not been fertile as of late.
24: It's okay. I'm slowly coming to terms with it. I just can't believe your own folks would hang you out to desiccate.
17: I preach the column of support, Dee. But all respect, you haven't glommed Zib culture quite like it is. I know I may appear as vaxxed out as a hot girl summer, but the rest of the resplendent assembly ain't particularly hit to what I'm waving on.
24: <laughs> yeah, I kind of picked that up from your quarter cousin.
17: The thought has occurred to old Stops that,
24: well... What Stops?
17: It's like, you know how when the fools started laying down the heavy law? All our lighter than air of the egg still continued for a time, but we were always looking like nails. So in the time of the hammer, could be this peanut buttered potentate needs to straighten up and fire crossways.
9: <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, <laughs> oh, I'm
24: sorry stops. I just <laughs> I can't even picture it. I mean I know you managed it once for like 10 minutes, but I'm sorry. There's no way you could keep that up on the reg. Strutting around all regal with a scepter up your butt.
17: (laughs) This may be an eyebrow elevating experience for you, Dee, but you know, the fairgrounds changes people. In fact, this half-blasted wayward baronet has been holding in court, if you can box the covers on that.
24: I... Literally can't. Like, court court, with all the fixins.
17: The same, d. Well, all the fixery old shops can tolerate. I do have eminence over my own domain, but while I do admit some anomalies of either standard baronetcy, the zib behind the curtain work is very much of the emerald variety.
24: Wow, stops! I didn't know you had it in you. You
17: didn't know I was panoramic? And we are under the archway of a particularly non-cromulent age. I always tried to dangle off the no sombrero mantra to simply let the sauce pour off the freebird a la range. But man, it has gotten harder and harder to orientate. My cogitation vector is directionalized hard towards this ease Without the sweet, sweet lubrication of the legumination I would be one sorry-bottom-zib, indeed.
24: Yeah. Do... Huh. How do I phrase this? Do you think, um... that that's good? Like, I get the desire to escape and all. Frid, there's not much else to think about here in this souped-up greenhouse footlocker. But these days, I don't think there is any escape. We're... We are actually in danger stops. Humans most of all right now, but I think you know as well as I do that once the Fugs get us fully quadrilateral, it's Khadrugiaq's bar the door for the rest of you zoods.
17: I charm that be. You know I do.
24: So maybe... It's not good to escape. Maybe I need, maybe we all need you to be here. For real, as much as you can be. Because as bad as things are right now, all those colorful visions you got floating in that big fleece bork jamming head of yours aren't gonna protect you when it gets worse.
4: You know, this was always my favorite hydroponics park. The flagstones, the little waves of the pond, that carefully calibrated gentle breeze. I guess you must like it too, huh? Okay, so you folks are probably just regular water lilies. That's nice too, actually. The breeze must help you with, like, pollination and stuff. I always assumed it was for us humans to make it feel more like home. Although, I guess Earth isn't actually home for a lot of us. But maybe they have, like, an ancestral sense of what it should be like. Or maybe they visit Earth and they're like, "Eh, what is this? Where are the methane crystals? Why is all this air hitting my face? (laughs) Every little thing on this station was designed for a reason, wasn't it? (laughs) Heh. Or maybe not, since the whole thing was thrown together by a bunch of yonked-out gnolls who couldn't agree on which foot to use first in the potato sack race. Not that there are potato sacks anymore. Or potatoes, mostly. Could be that breeze is just leakage from a broken pressure duct. It's still nice, though. And, of course, as soon as my day gets slightly less miserable, the fairgrounds intervenes. What have we got this time? AV board needs repointing over in the trundle in the jungle pavilion? The frid is that. Oh, well, at least it's not far. Tav Twenty Five. That's one of the old sports complexes, isn't it? I thought those all got mothballed. Well, except for the highlight courts. Oh, and now that's stuck in my head again. Mrs. F sure knows her way around an earworm. Oh, hey, Cheryl.
9: Slot off, Booster.
4: Have an efficient day. It's a really, really great answer. Really... Oh, my God. <sighs> Maybe the music in the elevator will help. Or maybe not. Oh, hey,
7: Foreman Butt, You're on this job, too. Sure am. When I saw they needed a manipulator in my old stomping grounds, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to roll down memory lane.
4: Oh, so you used to work there? So it's what,
7: a uh, boxing ring? Yep. That was my beat back before the refit, doing sparring demos. When I wasn't up in the pressure based cookery pavilion, that is. In a long time since I've laid scanners on the place. Funny. I never heard anything about them reactivating it. Doesn't seem like the sweet science would be the full Ganari's pot of mulch, does it?
4: Yeah, it's weird, right? There's nothing down there for anyone to look at these days, so why would the committee put in a maintenance ticket
7: for some old lightboard? You tell me. Twenty-five. You remember from our last tag team, right? First I lift, you solder. Then we switch. Got it.
4: So, uh, I've been thinking a lot about what you asked me the last time we did a job like this. You know, about if it came to it, would I think twice about scrapping a robot for parts to save a human life? And I haven't been able to get that out of my head. Like, I know the right answer in theory, but in the heat of the moment, I... I don't know if I'd actually put that theory into practice. I mean, obviously, I hope I never have to make that kind of a decision in the first place, but... But if I did, well, if I'm honest, I probably would save the human first. So I started thinking about why that was. and. Well, I, uh, uh, hang on a minute. There. Anyway, I guess what I came up with was that we humans sort of grow up thinking that that robots are people, but not, you know, people. That you don't feel pain the same way we do, so... So when something bad happens to you, it doesn't really count. Not like the kind of pain we understand. hmm But, well, listening to all your stories obviously you can be hurt. And we've hurt you a lot. It's been a big
7: day for you.
4: Yeah. So I realized, like, even if I literally never have to choose between a human and a robot, I'm still making choices. All the time. About what I'll speak up about and what I'll put up with. I used to think that You know, I wasn't actually exploiting any bots myself. I I would never do anything like that, so. And you know, even if you want to help, it's hard to figure out how you can. There are, like, all these systems that have been chugging along forever and ever, keeping things the way they are. So what can one human possibly do about it? But that's not really enough, is it? Letting it happen isn't as bad as making it happen, but it isn't good either. So I think I need to step up. And you know, I am just one human, but I'm a human who's also a bot. So maybe I can do something. Convince a few of my fellow humans to listen to my fellow bots. Or
7: maybe not, but I think I should try. I'm glad to hear it, kid. Hold that up a little higher, would you? And you know, I
4: may not be able to scan any memory files from the bad old days of the RRF, but like the reason I have days off and the paycheck I can spend wherever I want and at least theoretically, the right to not get crushed by large machinery, that's all because some humans had to fight other humans who didn't want us to have any of that. Every single good thing we have, all of us, is because someone fought like hell to get it. And I mean, I knew that before, but after talking to you all, I think I actually
7: get it. We're more alike than I think, you and me? That sort of thing? Pretty much. (laughs) Alright, that should do it. Let's see if she still runs.
21: Whoa.
4: (laughs) Right? It's too bad all this is just
7: sitting down here with no one to appreciate it. Yeah, although I lost the title in this one. Oh, you know, the the human form Did You ever hear what he said afterwards? No. It just wasn't a (laughs) nightmare. It's strange being a bot programmed to act like a human. All that information zipping up and down my circuitry. I still don't understand why you folks want to hurt each other. Robots can be programmed. Humans? Well, I guess it's like you said, humans can be programmed too.
4: Yeah. Formanbot, I want to answer your question from before about who I am. Oh. Yeah, it's it's actually not a question that's necessarily a good idea for me to answer, but I think I need to, so you can understand. Okay. All right, so after what went down at New Year's, you, you remember? With
7: Ram like mine, kid, I remember everything. But I doubt anyone around here is gonna forget that night anytime soon.
4: Right. Well, after that, some people, and and don't ask me who, because that's definitely not my secret to be spilling. They asked me to, well, to pretend to be something I'm not. To pretend to support the Fugulnari. To sign up as a booster, to publicly declare my allegiance to the aliens who want to subjugate my species, so I could get information from the inside. So I could maybe help put a stop to it. And I didn't know if I could, but I said yes. A man. Good on you! So yeah, that's who I am. Not actually a booster, not legally a human, not really a robot. Just a guy who was asked to take a reckless, terrifying, potentially lethal, possibly pointless risk. A guy who peed in his pants a little about it and then went ahead and did it anyway. And now, a guy you could get mulched with a quick word in the wrong ear. Or whatever the folks you're with. I've never been clear on that. I'm placing a lot of trust in you
7: here, is what I'm saying. I appreciate it, kid. You don't have anything to worry about. Not from me. Thanks. Did you ever, you know... Win one? Against Alibot? Ah, he's the greatest,
4: you know. But you were no slouch either, right? And you fought a lot of bouts before they shut the place down. I'd think every once in a while you'd manage to beat the odds. Well,
7: between you and me, a couple of rehearsals, I slipped a tixie magnet in one of his gloves. Told him about it afterwards. Had a laugh over it. Ah. Good times. He's long gone, though. Headed out as soon as he managed to finance his refit. I think he's somewhere in the Proxima system now, working as a mail mm, something like that.
4: Delivering mail? So, are you still in touch? Because? Because... Okay, I don't want to get you into trouble or anything, but the Resistance could really use your help. With? Getting messages off station. With the travel restrictions getting even tighter and the Fug's inspecting the mail, we can't contact any sympathizers in other human settlements or even be sure they exist. But you bots are pretty much free to go where you please, at least more than we are. So if you were willing to pass messages for us, to help us coordinate, share information. I understand if you don't want to take the risk, but...
7: Hey, don't sweat it, kid. I'll help. Just like that. Would it surprise you to know I've already been doing that very thing?
4: Uh, Yeah. I feel like someone should have mentioned that at some point before I spent weeks stewing about how I was going to broach the subject. I mean, I
7: know I'm undercover, but streets. Oh, I've been doing it for the Resistance. Just, you know, the occasional favor for a friendly human. And then, well, you got a big foogie pat on the back for getting one of those friendly humans disappeared. So I wasn't exactly in a trusted mood after that, you know. Oh,
4: right. Sorry. For what it's worth, I didn't get those people in DPC-5
7: arrested. Uh, not on purpose, at least. Sure, I figured it was something like that. Anyway, yeah, I've been passing on some messages. No reason I couldn't manage a few more. The other card sharks will help, too. And the regular shark. We've actually been cooking something up. That's... wow, that's really, really good to hear. (laughs) I'll
4: pass that on, okay? Probably they won't want me to be directly involved in case the Fugues get suspicious,
7: but someone will be in touch. Got it. I'll keep my receptors peeled. Can I ask you something else? You want some fighting tips. Step one, you need to put in some serious work on those noodle arms of yours.
4: I'll see what I can do, but that wasn't the question. So, Yeah, that kind of is the question. If this ends up being a shooting war, what side do you think the bots will take? I know I asked you before, but we didn't get into the specifics, and this could end up being
7: really important. Left to their own devices, probably most of them won't take a side. That's what I was afraid of.
4: Do you think... do you think there's any way of convincing them to help us? Not forcing them to, or reprogramming them, just, you know, asking. Do you think that might make a difference?
7: That is a very good question. You don't know either, huh? I didn't say that. I said it's a good question. It might be the first time a human-ish person has ever asked us for something like that instead of just taking it.
4: Well, I'm asking.
7: I think There is a decidedly non-zero chance that there is a way to do this. There is. But you've been a bot long enough to know that the only way to get anything done is through the union. Give me some time to whip votes. Maybe we can reopen the priority override discussion at the next meeting. You do this right, you might, could get a strike going. Really? That would be amazing. Hmm. Now that I think about it, better make it the meeting after next. Your motion at table didn't technically go through.
4: Hey, I'll take it. That'll give me enough time to brush up on the robot's rules of order beforehand. And make sure the proposal is the recommended 17 pages and, oh,
7: strees. I'd, I'd better, uh... Kid! Yeah? Don't worry. I got your back. Your...
4: You need not. Thanks.
13: No flottin' way!
10: Well, that went, uh, swimmingly much better than I expected.
11: Agreed, Commander. Big Steve took to you like, well, like a DeLorean to an omnidirectional bidet.
10: Not sure I appreciate that comparison, but I'm not going to squander this rare celebratory mood making a thing of it. As you like, sir. So you were watching all that then? Yes, sir. I was poking my nose in, so to speak. So what did you think? It seems like we got everything we could have hoped for out of that meeting.
11: I agree, sir. We will, of course, need to establish some manner of covert delivery system Mm. for Caridata's packages before they can be of any actual use. But all in all, a very productive cycle's work. Thank you, for all. You could celebrate your accomplishment with a sampling from the Inerva Crunch sampler basket on your desk.
10: What now? Where did that come from?
11: It would appear the Delurians have, within the past six hours, branched out into the maskable clean energy bar market as well.
10: Would you care to sample one? Uh, I don't think so. My taste buds are still recovering from all those Revita slams.
11: Are you sure, sir? You have not eaten anything for the last sixteen point two three hours. Really?
10: Huh. I guess you're right. I was so keyed up about my presentation, I didn't even notice. I suppose all those lovingly crafted gift baskets are a kind gesture, even if they were put together by a collection of assholes. Was that double entendre deliberate? You're the one who can read my thoughts for all. I'm sure you can figure that out.
11: Oh, I was fully aware of your intent, Commander, but I felt the follow-up question would be appropriate by way of demonstrating that I did indeed... Get the play on words.
10: <laughs> That's even worse than the tease! Speaking of gift
11: baskets, Commander...
10: Oh, I'm sorry, Fraul. I completely forgot to get you your own basket. I was so preoccupied with... Hey, did you trick me into taking a bite of this disgusting concentrated dog food plank just to get back at me for that?
16: Me, sir?
11: Why, I haven't tame of it. Would you care for another cup of Revita Slam to wash out the taste? Hmm.
17: Ah! Another delivery has crossed the rubric. Would this correspondence be double marsupial? Open, says me. <laughs> it is indeed. Hello, hello, my shiny new friendo. Allow me to plug you in, and perhaps I shall gauge the metric
6: of your data stick. Gather worthy cells for the imminent splendor of the most serene amplified high notability, Jevelland Betecha Menmaltz, daughter of house Housepilbert of the Grand Duchy of Prang.
17: Auntie Lyn.
6: Ahem. Is this thing on? Very well dear quarter cousin i address you on behalf of the grand duchess your mother as she remains too grief-stricken by a disregard for the fifty-three principles not to mention the very honor of house billibert to engage in every correspondence I hope this missive finds you well, although in truth it should not be finding you at all. A baronet of camphor are rightly to be receiving his correspondence in the Terminian Palace of Ancient Wine, and not in some musician's hovel at the back of an utterly retinue of a cesspit of imbebational generosity. cesspit? The generosity? Nevertheless, your house, who you still adhere to oh. some sense of decorum, have perused your dispatches, and have, moreover, received confirmation of these troubling reports from this... Special friend of yours, whom you have instructed us not to mention by name. Perhaps the first act of subtlety you've managed to perform since you first abandoned your ancestral exigencies and became to wallow in a league of humans most utterly squalid hinterlands. So I suppose you are to be congratulated in that regard. Thanks, That For me. Marvel at this round of applause, commissioned for your unworthy ears by the most serene amplified high-notability, Jelen Dorn Betecha Minwaltz, daughter of Jebelence, House Billibert, of the Grand Duchy of Prang. No, no, slower. Slower, you fool. I was being sarcastic. Enough. Now then. While we do find the contents of your dispatches to be of concern, Quarter Cousin, it will come as no surprise to you that we, the illustrious and highly decorous House Billiard, cannot appear to cater to the winds of such a profligately unorthodox junior as yourself, regardless of the high regard in which the Grand Duchess, your mother, is held by her colleagues in the Resplendent Assembly. But her grandiosity's intelligences have, of course, done their best to prevent news of your various. Proclifities from achieving general circulation among the unwashed folk. The very of the your remote locale now. delibre and of the concomitant abandonment of your duties cannot help but make itself apparent to all. And should we attract further attention to your various undertakings, it would only be a matter of time before tidings of the base depravity of your non musical indulgences should reach the assembly. I speak, of course, of your intemperate. Luxuriance in. in a. Uh, peanut butter. Oh, I can barely buy the passing of those loathly words, which my mouth part. most to me have told her my fate. I blissfully attend, most amplified. <laughs> oh, 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 oh my no, just. Uh, stop fanning, stop. Uh, my equilibrium is restored. Now unhand me, skull, oh, I must complete the operating of my delinquent old cousin before we depart for the ceremony and diurnal magnification. Come on. Where was I? You were remonstrating the yeah. baronet on the problem of credibility caused by his ignominious roguery or effulgence. Ah, yes. In short, old cousin, you are unreliable in every sense of the word. Thus I have been requested to convey to you that, disquieting though your intelligence from within the League of Humans may be, there is very little that can be achieved on the basis of reports from such a similar and, and constant source. <laughs> Indeed, there are those within our house who have suggested that all these dire portents may be the mere phantasms of Lagoon Addled. So heed my words, your radiums. Unless it is your intention to reverse the dire course you have pursued since your unfortunate le taking, return to ancient wine, and resume your impertinent service to the blessed Imperium, I am afraid any further implorations on your part will be for naught. Ah uh, oh. totem, the closing salutation. Really? Now follows the really? official valediction of her most oh. serene oh, and divine high notability, Chielen oh, Juan Batekam. Me-
13: Hey, Stella. HF. Hey you got a minute? I wanted to talk to you about, you know. Right.
22: Listen, H.F., I know I was harsh with you back there, but you know as well as anybody how important operational security is for us. Yeah. So you know what kind of disaster it would be for a booster to discover our location, even a booster we both used to, to care about. There's no way we could justify taking that kind of risk.
13: Sure, sure, I know all that. But I also know John B.'s no booster. And I'm pretty sure you knew that already. How? Well, I managed to arrange a co work situation with him and Foreman Bot so I could listen in. But I'm guessing you'll be hearing all about it from the kid pretty soon. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, how exactly have you been hearing from him?
22: No, I don't mind. I've been getting antsy about not having a backup on that anyway. We've been talking through Frawl.
13: Ah, smart. They're the one line of communication the foogs definitely can't intercept.
22: Exactly. So, John's got a code word he can use whenever he has a job on the bridge, and that cues Toriana to drag him into her office so he can pass on information while she pretends to bite his head off.
13: Mindy's in on this too? (laughs) You're kidding! I mean, I knew she wasn't exactly sympathetic to the foogs, but I could have sworn she was playing it safe just to keep her job. She even called me a couple weeks ago to tip me off about that camera thing, and I never guessed. Boy, did you all drop the blast shield over my eyes.
22: It's nothing personal, H.F. We all agreed at the beginning that we had to keep this strictly between us. One word to the wrong person could cost John his life.
13: No, yeah, of course. So when was the beginning? How long has the kid been doing this?
22: ever since we went off the grid, New Year's. Wow, that's, (sighs) wow,
13: never would've thought he had it in him. But I guess the fairgrounds changes people. Yeah. (sighs) Of all the dumb things that kid could've done, this is the bravest and the dumbest I think I've ever heard of here I was just getting used to the idea that one of my under-assistants might actually
22: survive long enough to make it off this heap. He will if I have anything to say about it. So, listen, H.F., I trust you, and I have to admit, it will be a relief to have someone else around to talk to about all this, but...
13: But Johnny's gonna get mulched if I keep running my mouth.
22: That's the long and short of it, yeah.
13: Oh, I get it. I mean, now I do. Better late than never, though, right? So if anyone should ask me about this conversation, I am in here offering you a mostly sincere apology, after which you're going to give me a stern but fair lecture about operational security and risk management. And in a few minutes, I'll be fully on board. The ISS, John, is a useless traitor.
22: Works for me. And thanks.
13: So the kid's just out there, all alone, with no one to back them up? Or, oh, well, not no one, now that he spilled the beans to Foreman Bot, but... You what? Yeah, they had a real heart-to-processing core down in the old trundle and jungle pavilion. Crap. Nah, we got nothing to worry about there. I heard the whole thing. Either Foreman Bot's on our side, or he's the best robotic actor since Emotibot 913. You've been listening to Life
2: with Althar, Episode 30. This episode was written by John Amir and Lex Friedman for Gemini Collision Works and starred John Amir as John B, Merritt Johnson as Althar. Amanda Laprigola as Mrs. Frondrenax, Ivana Cullen as Commander Toriana, Alyssa Simon as Lieutenant Frawl, Eli Gineas as H.F., Chris Lee as Chip Frinkle, Derek Peterson as Stops, and Zuri Washington as D. And also featured Olivia Baseman, David Arthur Backrack. Lex Friedman, Linus Gelber, Philip Cruz, Ian W. Hill, Rolls-Andre, Holly Pocket McCaffrey, Fred Bacchus, Anna Stefanik, Lila Okafor, and Clara Francesca. Life Without Thar was created by Barrett Johnson and Ian W. Hill. Barrett is the supervising producer, showrunner, and script supervisor. Ian is the audio producer, sound designer, and technical supervisor. The writer's room consists of Barrett, Ian, John, Bill, Lex, Linus, Amanda, and Chris. Theme and interstitial music composed and performed by Anna Stefanik. Life Without Our logo and illustration created by Dean Haspiel. Library music and sound effects licensed from Storyblocks. The entire production is copyright 2021 Gemini Collision Works. We'll be back in two weeks with another tale from the fairgrounds. But first, let's see how a busy young Iltorian Relaxes after a day filled with vital diplomatic correspondence.
8: But do not be galumphing in that direction, seeing Pagophilus, for in that way danger is lying. Oh, who is making a rival at the home of French John and Alvar? Who is that is
18: requesting entry, please. I return your greetings, esteemed militorian. It is I, Rohan, of the Diplomatic Legion of the Federated State of Gindor, who has arrived to proffer for his services and now requests entry. Also, please hurry, because I have with me a full cohort of my compatriots, several of whom must beg the use of your restroom with great urgency.
8: Oh, enter and be welcomed, please. The apparatus of excretion can be found down the Wittershins hallway, behind the last aperture on the left, esteemed guests! I called dibs! My
18: apologies, Cassine, for the unseemly haste of my colleagues, but we purchased several curious meat sticks at the 725 after our arrival, and appears to be having a negative interaction with many of their various medications
8: it is of no trouble to Althar! Is there any other assistance he can make offering of to you, beyond the use of the toileting facilities? But it is we who have come to assist you! You are the same Althar
18: who of late sent a call of distress to the Federated States, are you not?
8: No! Yes! Alvar was making correspondence with the Gandharan leadership! But Alvar had not expectation of so swift a response from your people! And in the person! This is the surprise of
18: great pleasantness! And it's a great pleasure to meet you seen Alvar. Not to mention our great relief to have at last located your lodgings. Whoever planned the corridors in this place must have been high over the Mount Oblivious. But no matter. <clears throat> I, Rohan, special diplomatic envoy from the Federated States of Gandor, answer your call. I proffer my services as a seasoned diplomat, adventurer, and interstellar Gandoran of mystery and. Uh. Perhaps we complete our formal introductions at a later time. I believe I also must avail myself of your facilities without delay.
8: But of course, Sinruhand, you are most welcomed! Much obliged! <laughs> Althar is pleased to be making acquaintance on oh, so many new Gandharan friends! Please be sharing all of your names so that Althar may— Oh, no! Althar must not commit a rudeness! Please be excusing of Althar, gentle beings. It has been many matristals since he has made up brushing upon the Gandharan ceremonial greetings. Hmm her, seeker of kindness and light, and ephemeral blob of alimentative warmth, wishes to extend to all of goodwill the most sacred preferment of lodgings. It is to be wished that his accommodations provide merriment, mirth, and... A good spread. Oh, yes, thanking you, Mewkissin, and a good spreading to you all.
18: I, Patervane, second-in-command among envoys of the Diplomatic Legion of the Federated States of Gendar, accept your profferment and give the word of my cohort that we will treat your freeholdings with the care and respect they are due, the obeisance to all your customs to the extent we are able, and ship in for snacks. Although, of course, we may not conclude the solemnities until a ranking member of our delegation has returned from committing unspeakable acts of violence upon your commode, I do not believe I should say more, so I will not.
8: Oh, of course, it is most proper to make waiting upon your leader. Seeing Pat perhaps have opportunity to be viewing at the recent semi-finals of the Galactic Smoochball Championship?
18: (sighs) Rohan returns, much relieved, and I humbly proffer my gratitude for your immense and boundless hospitality.
8: Oh, it is always a thing of great joy to be encountering the new friends. And it is also of much gratification to Althar that your people are taking the interesting plight of the humans, when so many others have not. This is why you are performing the visit, yes?
18: Absolutely. We, Endurance feel a deep sympathy for all the downtrodden peoples of the galaxy. As soon as we heard your sweet voice speaking of the humans' terrible plight, we knew we must dispatch a mission of mercy to human space without delay. And frankly, it was just nice to be asked. Indeed. Our numbers may be small and our fighting forces few, but I aim to prove in my brief time in this universe that a Gandharan can make a difference. Gandhar was called for aid,
1: and Rohit will answer. Now, where can we hang our hammocks?